We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Over the last several weeks, I've been sending emails about trauma in our schools. We know this last year has been difficult, but we may be in for a bigger shock next year as kids and teachers who have had a very different year this last year need to relearn how to do school. Check out the white paper I created about this at pages.jethrojones.com. That's pages.jethrojones.com. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have Dr. Stacy Gonzalez. She is the Director of Curriculum and Instruction at a high school district in Illinois. Welcome, Stacy, to Transformative Principle. Hey, Jethro. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be here with you. Well, I am excited to talk with you. I have learned a lot from you since we connected on LinkedIn, and I thought right away, this is somebody that I would love to have on the podcast. And the thing that originally drew me to you was that you're doing this virtual career day. And career day is a big deal, always has been in my mind. And so tell us a little bit about how you made a virtual career day happen when everybody was disconnected. Yeah, so I'm always looking for the bright spot, the opportunity amidst this dark cloud that I know we've been under or are getting out of, hopefully, right? And so um, I kind of saw this as an opportunity to find individuals that traditional high school career days, not so fun, right? Super like we've got our speakers, they come in, we march our kids either through a gym or through classrooms. 
And I thought, this is an opportunity where we're all remote anyways. Let's see if we can get experts from across the nation to speak with our kids and really give them some real world experiences in this virtual setting that we're living in. Which is fantastic because the beauty of a virtual environment is that it allows other things to happen that we wouldn't have thought of before. Several years ago as a teacher, I I have a friend who's an editor of films in in Hollywood, and I had him talk to my video production class, and it was just an awesome experience for them to learn from someone, you know, who's actually doing the work. And now you have the opportunity with everybody working from home that people could be more accessible than they typically would be and would be willing to spend that time doing that. How was the reception from the experts in the field about, because you had a ton of people who were doing this and I was shocked at how many people you organized. Yeah, we had, I think we had 71 experts. I had uh, someone from NASA. I had a gentleman, I had two people that worked at the Pentagon, um, an AFT agent who worked on um, one of the major cases, if you remember, and it actually came out of Illinois. Um, now he's, he's I'm the Unabomber. What's the Unabomber? I can't remember the Unabomber's name. Ted Kaczynski? Ted Kaczynski. That one? Yeah, he worked on the Ted Kaczynski case, right? So um, fast, just vast, fascinating. A professor of hip hop uh, at University of, I think, Virginia, right? Like just people who far and wide with just career journeys that where they started and where they're at now, which is really the point I wanted our kids to see. That was it. Like I have a 17 year old and she's like, I want to be a nurse. I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to be a nurse. And if that, sure. Okay. Let's take a health clear. Let's just start with medical terminology. We just like, see how you like that class first. Like if you don't like that, I, I don't know if nursing's in your future, right? And that strategy, I think, is so important. When I became a teacher, I pretty much became a teacher because I thought it was the profession where you help help people learn. And now, as I've grown older, I've realized there are so many different ways to help people learn that it's not limited to just teachers doing it. And I really felt like I was, I, I kind of missed an opportunity that I could have done different things in my life had I known what other things were out there and it been exposed. And I want to talk a little bit about that piece that you brought up of people taking these different career journeys, because it seems like most things are like this straight line from one thing to the next. And what we learn uh, through life is that it's not like that, but how do we communicate that to kids that it's not just a straight line to where you want to go? And what was your experience in doing that with a career fair and what did they share? Yeah. I mean, I think kids, think it's a straight line because for them, think about it, right? Kindergarten through 12th grade is a straight line. So they don't have the experiences that we've had that have taught us that, oh, we've not seen that. Like we've not experienced that. And now I've got a setback and I've got a pivot and I've got a change, right? So I think the the thing for our kids was to be able to bring, really I brought some, um, student, younger, younger individuals who were just, so there was a really great um, eclectic group of individuals from their careers to their ages, to their cultures, to their race, you know, just in in a way that every student could feel um, through three sessions, because they got to pick out of three sessions of panels of three people. So they minimally were exposed to nine different people with nine different stories. 
I think that's crucial because our kids aren't going to get that yet until they actually go out. And they're going to have to go out and have some of those experiences, but let's slow play that. And what I like about that approach is that it it communicates that these people are going to have different experiences than are have had different experiences than you're going to have. And that's okay. And there's a different way, there's a different path for every single person that is unique to just you. And so being exposed in a panel setting to three different people, I think is a, a good way to say see commonalities between their stories, because I'm sure that that came up as you have conversations, you build off what the previous person said. And so you can see commonalities between a professor of hip hop and a nurse and a um, school principal or whatever the categories may be, because those commonalities do exist. And I also appreciate how you said that you have to go through that yourself. And that's the, the hard part of being you know, that, that phrase youth is wasted on the young. So, so that, you know, that, that speaks to the idea that when you're young and have energy and ability to do things, you, you wasted away doing other things, but you have to learn those things on your own. And this brings up the idea of experiential learning, that learning is so vital. So how can you, as the director of curriculum instruction, bring in that experiential learning for students, not just in a virtual career fair, but in other ways besides just that? Yeah. So kind of back to like, you asked the question, how did we make this happen? Had this had been a regular school year, there wasn't a pandemic, people weren't accessing remote. I don't know if I would have been able to so quickly get, you know, an entire community. We have 8,000 students, right? Just hundreds of teachers. I mean, we shut down the whole day of instruction for this. So I don't know we would have been able to do that given had we had been, you know, people have been like, Gonzalez, what do you want? You know, what, what's this Dr. Stacy up to now, right? What kind of wacky idea does she have now? So now we've got that. And so now we've got teachers and counselors and other adults thinking about how can we leverage this space? And we're partnering with some others to extend now so that like teachers are setting these up, these bringing these experts in with their virtual classrooms so our kids can get that. We're also looking for externships or internships or ways in which our kids can talk to an expert or or shadow an expert for a day because our experts are online for the most part right now. I mean, unless you're in some different space. So we're really trying to kind of keep the momentum going. Keeping that momentum going, I think, is really important. Um, One of the things that you have also talked about is this idea of how to create social connection when everybody's online instead of in person. Social is such an important part of high school specifically. How do you keep those social and emotional connections happening um, when everybody's meeting online and nobody can be with each other? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that it's really important to be intentional. So this year, especially when the pandemic first hit, we teachers knew their kids, they knew who their students were. Beginning of the school year is that time when you have to get to know your kids. So being really intentional, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about how if it's just a five minute, if you're going to do a face-to-face for five minutes, especially high school teachers, they could have over 100, 120 kids in their class you know, over, over the course of a day. And I don't know about you, but I don't talk one-on-one to 120 kids. So my first thing is like, 
give the kids an asynchronous assignment. If you're remote or you're virtual, give the kids an asynchronous assignment and meet with your kids and have a series of questions. And, you know, I'm a teacher who always needed to take notes and get to know them. And Jamal, you know, has a dog and he was real funny about this and just give myself the note with his picture on my little roster and with his face, take a screenshot. Those things you'll remember. So when you, when you bring your class together after that first week or so, or, you know, however long that takes you, really then now you're going to be able to, to pull in those social aspects that kids need to know that you care about them. And it's building that up. I mean, you could do it with surveys, you could do it with Google forms, you know, there's, there's other ways, but don't, I would say, don't disregard the, the five minute face-to-face or, you know, virtual face-to-face, whatever that looks like with each kid. Yeah. It, taking that time, I think is so vital. And it, it tells the kids a couple of things. Number one, you care about them individually because you're spending time to individually talk with them. Surveys and forms are great and everything, and they help you collect a lot of data really fast, but they're so impersonal and they're not, they don't communicate that I care about you individually. So I think those are, um, that's really important. And the second thing is that it shows that they are more important than your content. And especially in high school and even in middle school, where I was mostly a principal, I did a little bit of time in high school, but um, even in middle school, uh, you you teach the subject, not so much the kids. And so you're, you seem, you can come across very easily as caring more about the subject than about the kids. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says Stop Talking and Start Doing with Regard to Teacher Well-Being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. And so taking that five minutes as the year goes on, how do you continue to build on that throughout the year? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a great book. It's not an education book. It's Kim Scott. It's called Radical Candor. I don't know if you've you've ever read it. Uh, you're Very nodding. familiar with that book, yeah. Yeah, right. And so her whole premise is that when people know you care about them personally, you can challenge them directly. And so if we really want to challenge our students, which is what we all need in order to grow, right, there's no growth that happens without a little bit of friction. So if we really want to create these spaces where we really are challenging our students and we want them to own their learning and own their growth, the the prerequisite to that is knowing you care about me. And so if I don't feel like you know me, if you're connected with me, I I can't receive that support that I might need from you. And Therefore, I might not be able to, to really dig in. I might do the, the work, check, 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 showed up, 
put, pretended to put my camera on the screen, yada, yada, whatever that looks like. But at the end of the day, did I really, you know, grow and, and get that, that outcome I was hoping for as a teacher? Yeah. So being able to build on that throughout the year and continuing to challenge, I think is really important. Um, one of the things that I've seen this year is people continuing those one-on-one -on -one conversations as the year goes on so that it's not just in the beginning. And it's so interesting because um, one thing that I've experienced, and you can give me your feedback on this, is that when we're in a virtual environment, like there's a time set for things and I feel more of an urgent need to get to the agenda because the online experience is not the same as being in the classroom. And so we all had those teachers where you could, you could say something and get that person on a tangent and you could be like, well, there goes the lesson plan for today. I got Mr. Hughes. That was my teacher who I could always do that to. And now he we're off on this tangent, but we're enjoying that camaraderie and that relationship. And that's, I think way more important than just whatever content you need to get through. So even in online environments, how do you not make it so that it's just like get down to business right away and take the time you need to go through things? Yeah. One of the things that to your point is everything takes not twice as long, sometimes three times, four times as long in a virtual space, especially when you have what some districts are doing and we've done, which is you have, you know, seven or 10 kids in front of you and 20 at home. I mean, that's, that's just, that's crazy just to even think about the way in which you need to build community totally differently. And it can be done. There's way I've, I've seen teachers doing that and in wonderful ways and allowing students who are more adept at connecting and want to connect. But those are the things you find out at early on, right? You find out who the kids are. I don't mind putting my face on. You kind of normalize show we're high school. They're high school kids. You normalize showing up in your pajamas with your hair not done or having your thing at the ceiling until we ask and, and norming that out with the kids. Those things all create that culture so that six weeks in, eight weeks in, it's it's built. And, and I think those are the moments you're talking about that kind of serendipitously occur in a face-to-face -face classroom that we have to do in different ways. And for many people, it's, it's uncomfortable and it's hard, right? It's totally different. But there's going to be a group of kids. There will be kids, especially there are students who have found this model successful and they like it. And there will be parents for whatever reasons. There's political reasons. There's personal reasons. There will be parents. So like how I said, I was able to move this virtual career day forward because of this. We're going to have to adjust and adapt because there will be, I, I'm predicting, there will be a, a rally and, and a groups of individuals who will say, this worked better in these ways and this is now what I want. And there's always been people who have wanted that and they've just been a small minority, very small. And um, having been a principal of a... Uh, of a homeschool program, I, I saw that firsthand that, that they had a much different way of looking at education, what it could be. And I think that that is just going to grow as time goes on because people have experienced it. And I, I've been saying for a very long time, if you aren't preparing for, you know, your district having a virtual school as part of your offering, all that's going to happen is you're going to lose kids because those parents who have experienced something better with this 
are going to go find that someplace else. And those options already exist and have existed for years. Um, and this is an opportunity for the school district to keep those students there. What advice would you have for a principal or superintendent who's listening right now who is thinking about that and not knowing where to start with creating that kind of a, a virtual school when we can all come back? Yeah. If you've read any of Cotter's work and his eight steps around, you know, leading change, one of the things that he talks about is building this idea of a guiding coalition. And so finding your people who have the the passion, the vision, and all those different roles, right? You need your detail people, the people who are your analytics and are going to be able to build out those technology and data pieces you need. But then you need the visionaries who are going to be able to see the potential for five years. Then you need some people who are just going to ask the really hard questions that maybe nobody's really thinking about at that time. So really kind of building that guiding coalition of the right people. Get the right people and start there at the table. Um, and, you know, sometimes those right people are our parents. Sometimes those right people happen to be a business partner in, in the community. Just really allowing that, that space uh, with some parameters and not being afraid. Here's the thing that principals, administrators are afraid of. They are, are afraid of the, the bureaucracy, the politics, the bureaucracy. And I get that. I get that. But but there's a lot. And you got to get almost so close. I, I'm not saying break laws. I'm not saying break policy. But get close to that line, close enough to that line so you can do some good work. Because we can't use the excuse, the Board of Education said this, or the state board said that, or the federal government didn't give us this. We got to stop that. That that needs to end. And we've got to take those risks. And if we as public educators and the leaders in public education don't do it, who's going to do it? It, it's like those problems are designed specifically for us to fix and we can't rely on anybody else to do it. And yet our default response is to let somebody else try to solve that problem. And, and we just can't do that. We need to own the problem, own the solution and make it our priority. Um, my final question for you today is, uh, Stacy, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal? I think a transformative principle is a visible principle. And so going back to, to that, what we talked about earlier, letting your people know that you care about them personally, uh, especially right now, people are, pro are they're tired, they're overwhelmed. So giving them, giving them the benefit of the doubt, giving them permission. A lot of times teachers just need permission Hey, let me pop into your class today. I'm going to take over, which will get yourself out of the operational management that we've been spinning in the hamster wheel, right? You know, Ms. Smith, I want to come in today and take over your first period for you today or whatever that is. That'll light you up and that will give your teacher, a mo you'll model what self-care really is. And I want you just, Ms. Smith, to go and read a book or whatever it is that charges you up. That will go, that will speak volumes and that just schedule that once a day, once a week, whatever that looks like, and you will see transformation in no time. 
Yeah. Uh, really valuing and honoring and supporting those people who are doing the work and finding ways to be there and help them, I think is really great. Um, appreciate you being part of Transformative Principle. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Stacy and I connected on LinkedIn. She's also on Twitter. You can follow her at Stacy Pacer, S-T-A-C-E-Y, not I, like my wife's name. <laughs> so <laughs> Um, got to clarify that. So thank you again, Stacey, for being part of Transformative Principle. It was so good to talk to you today. Thank you. Hey, middle school principals. What if I told you that all your teachers had to do to teach your students really valuable social and emotional competencies was just press play. In Control SEL is a fully automated video curriculum that teachers and students absolutely love. And that's because it's easy. And it looks just like a Netflix or a YouTube show. So all you have to do to hear about how it can completely transform your school is schedule your call. Tell us Jethro sent you and you'll get 20% off if you feel like it's a good fit. So go now to www.incontrolsel.com slash strategy call to schedule your call today. The link will be in the show notes. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.